0: We're excited to continue in our Advent series this morning. Um, In my day job I get to serve at Bryan College as an administrator there and a few weeks ago um, during Thanksgiving week we had a pretty hard week as a community. During this week we had a death of a Bryan student and in reality the death was heavy for me but it was also heavy for the Bryan community. However, God taught me so much about who He is during that really 12-day span when we had a memorial service, a funeral, and there was just lots of lamenting. But it was actually Nico, if you haven't met him, he is my six-year-old son, that taught me a profound lesson. And it's interesting how many lessons that we often learn aren't statements but questions. And unfortunately, without the loss and death, I don't know if I would have caught what God was trying to teach me. As I was dropping Nico off at school one morning, (laughs) yes, it's crazy when kids ask questions. Um, It's always at the weirdest times before bed and as we're in line to drop him off at school. But Nico asked me a profound question, and I believe that profound question lays a great foundation for us this morning. And it really taught me and reminded me of Matthew 18 when it calls us to a childlike faith. And what Nico simply asked is this, How big is God? How big is God? It is interesting as we grow and mature, are we echoing here? As we grow and mature in Christ, as we become lifelong followers of Him, our questions become more complex, and maybe we overcomplicate it a little bit. But how big is God? In reality, any attempt to answer this question will prove inadequate. But you see, God's Word tells us that He is big. In fact, it says He is incomprehensible beyond our understanding. He is bigger than our ways. He is more kind, more gracious, more loving, more merciful, and more just than we could ever comprehend. Through loss and pain, God reminded me of how incomprehensible He is. The Christmas story is usually painted in light of joy and peace. These realities are true, but since we know the whole story, the full story, we know that Christmas Season is truly a paradox. Joy and pain, hope and longing, celebration and lamenting all coexist within the kingdom of God, within the Christmas story. For generations, God's people experienced lament and separation from God. From prophet to prophet, God attempted to reconcile his people to himself, but each attempt was insufficient in some ways. But the story doesn't end there. Christmas is is the long-awaited coming of our King, King Jesus. In this Advent season here at Sojourn, we have explored this through many topics. We have considered our adoption into God's family. We have considered the extent of God's grace. And last week, Pastor Isaiah talked about God's big story and what He has, is, and will do. In our best attempts, we fail to comprehend God's bigness. This leads us to our big idea for this morning. The song of glory, the message of Christmas, is primarily the message that God is to be glorified, for He has done something beyond comprehension. And our sermon text this morning is taken from that passage that we read just a moment ago in Luke 2. And we're going to be looking at Luke 2.14, where it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people He favors. And we're going to look at what God has done, and we will explore three responses for each one of us this morning. Three responses for us as a community this morning. Humble submission, unhindered worship, and embracing unmerited favor. Humble submission, unhindered worship, and we will look at embracing unmerited favor. Humble submission. There's something mysterious and completely incomprehensible about what God is doing by sending His Son, Himself, as a baby to us. In Luke 2.14, we are introduced to the visibility of Jesus' majesty in the ultimate graciousness of his character one commentator says this if the glory of god in heaven is revealed in the coming of his son the effect of men on earth is summed up in the word peace here however more than the cessation of strife is meant he brings new a new situation of peace between god and humanity in which his blessings can be communicated to them you see, the birth of Jesus is significant because it portrays the glory of God. We see this in the New Testament. It is written that Jesus was born of a human, born as a human, being, but also in the, as simultaneously the Son of God and has a special relationship with God. This is in contrast to Jewish expectations of the day. Which anticipated the coming Savior and Messiah as a great leader who would come from the line of the King David, which he did, but defeat Israel's imminent enemies. They expected a loud pronouncement of this kingdom. One of these prophet prophecies about the Savior is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, which says, For the child was born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and His prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from from now and forever. The zeal of the armies will accomplish this. The religious leaders of Jesus' days misunderstood Old Testament prophecies. They misunderstood not just when Jesus would come, but the nature and timeline of the kingdom of God. This new kingdom isn't one that is political and physical. This kingdom was completely different than what they anticipated. Because this kingdom, the kingdom of God, of Him sending His Son Jesus to us, this kingdom transforms hearts and souls. It changes everything. And many of you can share of that transformation in your life and proclaim that. If, in, if visible in any way, this through those that are called sons and daughters, to each one of you. Because the Spirit of God dwells in us, we are God's ambassadors in this kingdom. The way in which God, who, divi- who is divinely sovereign, has decided to send His Son to come as a lowly baby, born in a manger, completely disrupted religious expectations. As Christians, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the coming of our long-awaited Savior, but it also reminds us of His ultimate sacrifice. We can't embrace the fullness of God's glory without the death of Jesus. You see, the birth of Jesus isn't the full story this story continues with the death of Jesus on a cross. Philippians 2, verses 5-8 through 8 say, Adopt the same attitude as of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, He emptied Himself by assuming the form of a servant, not just a servant, a baby, taking the likeness of humanity, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by being completely obedient to the Father's plan to the point of death, even to death on a cross. You see, Jesus' humble submission to the Father's plan disrupted, disrupted everything and disrupted the religious expectations. And we experience the same disruption, don't we? As a Savior that quietly enters the world without recognition, further introducing himself to the majesty, us, us to his majesty and graciousness. You see, we're not all that different from the religious leaders of Jesus' day, are we? We like to think that we're different, but in truth, we Christians continue to pretend that we have it all together just like the religious leaders did of the day. While we want to be a community that embraces people that are different than us, We are more comfortable with people like us. And we put on facades, masks. We put on false selves to others. We show up each morning wanting to portray that everything is good in our life. We want to portray that we have it all together. But in truth, we know that is untrue, don't we? We know that we are a constant mess, whether that is outward or inward. We know that internally, at the very least, We're holding on by a thread each day, aren't we? Holding on by a thread. And if you're not a Christian this morning, you're like, why would I want to be a part of a community like that? Well, first, we just want to say thanks for coming and exploring Christianity. Thanks for exploring what Jesus has for you. And we want to be completely honest with who we are as a community. And it is simple. We are deeply, deeply broken. But that's the beauty of the gospel that we proclaim, that we don't have to have it together. That we can be a hot mess. We can be the biggest hypocrites. It reminds us of our deep need for Jesus. And that's the community. That's the community that we want to invite you into because it shatters all expectations. Strangers become family Hypocrites become redeemed. Isn't that a beautiful story? It's a story that God extends to all of us. It's an invitation that He invites us all into. And for those that follow Christ, you know that, yes, a moment of salvation when Christ redeems you is a big part of your story. But even a bigger part of the story is that God's grace is new every morning, isn't it? Because the world continues to come at you. Your anger is constantly being triggered. Your impatience is constantly being um, put to test. Or your patience is being put to test into impatience. Friends, what God has done is, and is doing through the Advent season doesn't fit into any sort of clear framework that we expect. But the Scriptures give us clarity. The Scriptures speak to us about who God is and what He has done for us. But even in the Scriptures, we all know there's still a level of mystery when it comes to this kingdom because it shatters all expectations. And this mystery can do one of two things. This mystery could maybe push you away from God because it's mysterious. It doesn't fit into your box, your framework. But... What I believe that this mystery should do should draw us to God. It draws us to a God that is bigger than us. He calls us to humble submission to Himself. And this humble submission is one of faith, not of blind faith, but of faith. Scriptures take away anything that is blind and makes it mysterious to us. And God gives us enough clarity that we can come to Him in faith even though there is a mystery. And God calls us to humble submission in the same way. What God is doing in the sending of His Son as a baby is completely incomprehensible. We are called to respond in humble submission, which is modeled through our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? But secondly, we are called to unhindered worship. Unhindered worship. Luke 2.14 is a beautiful reminder of the true meaning of Christmas. It reminds us that the birth of Jesus is not just a cause of celebration, but a call to worship. In many ways, we Christians, I know even when I'm trying to articulate the gospel and articulate the importance of the season, there is a common thread that I use for my kids. We want our kids to know that this is Jesus' birthday, Right? But in some ways, we minimize the significance of the coming of Jesus when we categorize it as a birthday celebration. While it is true it is a celebration, a birthday celebration is completely insufficient, insignificant, when we compare it to the glory of God and what He calls us to in regards to the the magnitude of worship that He deserves. Birthday celebration is insufficient to what we're doing over this holiday season when we worship a king that for years, thousands of years, that God's people waited for. You see, we are called to give glory in the highest heaven and recognize that the message of Christmas is about honoring and praising the Creator of not just our lives, but the world, the universe, and He holds it in His hand while caring for each one of your souls. Colossians 1, 16-17 says, For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and He holds all things together. He holds your life together. Luke 2, 14 is an angelic song. As one commentator says, in effect... A proclamation of the result of the birth of Jesus. You see, this proclamation unapologetically declares that Jesus is the King of kings, the one that we have longed for. And all the things in our life that we try to have fulfill our souls, all of those are insignificant, but this King Jesus is sufficient. Philippians 2.10-11 through 11 say, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to glory to the glory of God the Father. Isn't this good news this morning? Isn't this the news that we long for in all of our pursuits? Isn't this what we need in our souls as more fulfilling than any job, any hobby, any present that we might give? But we know that it is all too easy to get get caught up in the trappings of the holiday season. We become focused on buying gifts and decorations, attending parties and gatherings, and we lose sight of the true purpose of Christmas. The worship of God can take the backseat to the worship of consumerism and materialism. You see, we're not just faced with this during the month of December, especially as Americans, we are far more blessed than half of the world. We have more than most of the world around us. You see, this problem really confronts us every day, and we're constantly asking, what is enough? We are prone to worshiping idols, whether they are material possessions, fame, power, or even ourselves. We can easily become consumed by these things as we neglect the worship of God. While we'll make an attempt, it is safe to say that our worship is often hindered by fill in the blank. What is your worship hindered by? What is it that you put before God? What is the idol that separates you from God's goodness? Maybe this feels distant, and maybe this feels somewhat separated from you, as I'm sharing God's Word this morning. But if we're all honest, we could easily fill in this blank, couldn't we? I know I could. I find so much security in just my home. The Enlightenment did that for us in the 1800s. Told us that you know, land and freedom and all these things are what we should want most. And I find so much security in that type of thought. And we don't realize what it is doing when it constantly separates us from God's. Or I idolize, maybe make it more personal, my abilities. My ability to grip tight to get the job done. As my wife likes to say, I am a white knuckler. I get through it. What about you? What is it that you're putting before God? What is the idol that is separating you from unhindered worship this morning? But you see, the message of Advent calls us to reject these idols as it reminds us that God deserves our undivided attention and devotion. In the birth of Jesus, God showed us, that the, depth of His, showed us the depth of His love and mercy. He came to earth in the form of a humble, vulnerable baby, born in a stable to poor and humble parents. This is in stark contrast to the idols that we often worship. Idols are created by human hands, our hands, and are fashioned out of metal, stone, and wood. But in reality, we know that they are lifeless, mute, and powerless. They cannot save us or offer us any true meaning or fulfillment. But on the other hand, this kingdom of God that we announce to you today is one in which God is the creator of the universe, universe the source of all life and goodness. He is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, and He loves us with a love that is beyond our understanding. He offers us salvation and eternal life through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. Because of what God has done, we are called to humble submission, unhindered worship, and finally, we are to embrace God's unmerited favor. You see, this idea of embracing God's unmerited favor is the call of the gospel to each one of us. This concept is truly the cornerstone of the Christian faith. It is the belief that God's love and grace are not earned or deserved through our own efforts, but are freely given to us by God out of His boundless love and mercy. This concept can be difficult for many to understand because it goes beyond our natural tendencies. It pushes against our natural tendencies to think that we must earn God's favor. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And hear this, Peace on earth to people He favors. People He favors is God extending His love and mercy to us who are all completely undeserving. The truth is that God's love is not conditional on our performance, performance or worthiness. In fact, it is because of our unworthiness that God's love and grace are necessary and valuable. Necessary and valuable. And Paul proclaims this in Romans 3, 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Embracing God's unmerited favor means... Recognizing our own sinfulness and salvation, and then trusting in God's promise of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. It means letting go of our pride and self righteousness. It means humbly accepting God's grace as a free gift. It means abandoning, abandoning our own efforts to earn God's favor and instead rely on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But can I be honest? I wrestle so much, I wrestle so much with this. I wrestle with whether or not God's grace is truly sufficient for me. Maybe you've been there. Can God truly redeem? Does He know what I have done? Does He know my past? Does He know all that I've done? And here's the reality, He doesn't just know your past, He knows your future, and He loves you anyways. Because even with our lips, we proclaim God's goodness, but we turn around and we sin against Him. And I wrestle so much with this. My weight, the weight of my sin, and failures are heavy. I am my biggest critic. Maybe you can relate to this this morning, and what I want to remind you of is not just of God's graciousness, but also God's patience with you. God's patience with you, and hear that with you, He walks with us, and He meets us. And He wrestles with us at every big question. And in fact, God is the author of every big question, and He invites each one of them. He invites you with all your questions and all your doubts to His throne, and His throne and His Word is sufficient. And I am confident in the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit when you come to Him humbly, when you come to Him with your hands wide open, you will not, you will not be disappointed in the God that you meet. You see, embracing God's unmerited favor is not just a one-time event. It's a lifelong journey of faith and surrender. It means seeking God's will and guidance and trusting in His promises. Even when things are difficult and uncertain. It means being willing to let go of our plans and desires and to follow where He leads us. Maybe it's easy for you to lean on to God when things are difficult. Maybe for you it's that you don't lean and pursue God when things aren't difficult. Maybe things are going well and you think you have it all together. So for us, I want to encourage you in three ways and how you can embrace God's unmerited favor today and every day. First, God calls us to pray for those that are sons and daughters Praying is a consistent way to submit ourselves and remind ourselves of God's favor on us. To remind ourselves that God is the ultimate authority of our lives. To have relationship with Him and to commune with Him. And if you're exploring Christianity, hear this. God's unmerited favor is an invitation to you today. God is calling you to embrace all of who He is And I promise you what is true is that there is nothing in your life that will bring fulfillment. All of those things are temporary. And God knew that, and He is sovereign. And in the brokenness of humanity, in the sin of Adam and Eve, He sent His Son to live a perfect life that none of you could live. To die on a cross, die a death, bearing the weight of God's wrath that we all deserve. And in His death, He conquered sin, death, and hell. And now, He not only raised from the dead, but sits at the right hand of God and intercedes on our behalf. The invitation is wide open this morning. Will you give your life to Jesus today? Secondly, God calls us to a life of service and of serving. You see, Jesus served us in the ultimate way by dying on the cross. The gospel is both proclamation and quiet service to others. Our legacy should be nothing more but sitting in the shadow of Jesus Christ. We build platforms. We take on jobs. We we do all these things to build our own kingdoms. But as sons and daughters, your life should be nothing more but just a reflection of Jesus And the only way that happens is if you're a constant shadow to Jesus. Constantly living in light of His glory and forgiveness means that we shine all of of our success, everything, onto Him. Thirdly, God calls us to a life of generosity. Extending our generosity through gratitude and thankfulness is a crucial way of embracing God's unmerited favor. When we are thankful for what God has done for us, we can express our trust in Him in a way that can only be done when we completely give all thanks and gratitude to Jesus. And He calls us to extend that to others. Our appreciation and love of the love and grace of God is, yes, personal, but it isn't private. It goes far beyond us. So will you be generous with gratitude and thankfulness of what God has done and is doing in your life. Because what God has done, we are called to humble submission, unhindered worship, and to embrace His unmerited favor. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve ate of a fruit from a forbidden tree. But you see, sin and death is conquered by Jesus, who hung on a tree bearing the full wrath of God on our behalf. And that's the good news of the Christmas season. You see, we can't have the fullness of God in just the birth of Jesus, but we see it in the death of Jesus. So here at Sojourn, we embrace both. It is the foundation in which we stand. It is the reason that we exist in Hill City. It is the reason that we exist in this neighborhood. It is the reason that we want to invite each one of you into our community. A community that breaks down all walls and barriers. It brings people from different backgrounds, different cultures, to one place with one commonality. And this commonality is Jesus. It is Jesus. That is the why why of sojourn. We want to extend it to the world. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus this Christmas season, let us remember the meaning of the holiday. Let us thank God for His unmerited favor and seek to glorify Him in all that we do. Let us embrace the message of hope and love at the heart of the Christmas story, and let us share the message with the world around us. May our biggest gift this season be the message of Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Brothers and sisters, that there's one thing that I want you to hear is that God is Truly incomprehensible for what he has done and is doing. So there should be one response Will you glorify God with your life? Or will you give your life to Jesus? Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this season that comes around every year that we can be reminded of your birth, be reminded of a call to worship you, to give everything to you. But Father, we embrace the whole story, not just your birth. Father, we embrace your full life, your full ministry, and what you did beyond your life by conquering sin, death, and hell. Father, may we be a community. Father, may we be a community that truly submits to you in all humility. May we be a community that worships you and puts our idols to the side. Father, may we be a community that exalts your unmerited favor. Amen.